Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Yeah, tonight we're talking about hospitality and community. And this is, I guess, uh, the third message we're giving over February about Central's, I guess, goals, values, visions. Usually in February each year we talk about this kind of stuff. And um, the last two weeks we've spoken about different areas um, of Central's vision and, and goals and values and things like that. And then next month we'll get back into talking about verses and looking at it from different perspectives and things like that as well. And so hospitality and community, th- these are two great passions of mine and they're really strong passions of Central Church as a whole as well. Uh, but not only that, it's also a big value of the, the kingdom of God as a whole as well. And we see this mentioned all throughout scripture as well. And just to give, I guess, an idea or an illustration on the value of it, I just want to use the analogy of the church as the body of Christ. And we've heard that analogy all throughout scripture. I'm sure we've heard it spoken about in church as well. But the church as a body. As we know, every healthy body needs to breathe. We ourselves right now are breathing oxygen in, in and out constantly. And if we stop Breathing, we stop living. And the church as a body also breathes. But it doesn't breathe air like us, it breathes people. And so with an inhale, the church draws people into itself. And as it draws people in, it nurtures and heals them. It teaches them, it grows them, it strengthens them. And then with an exhale, the people move out of the church, into our surrounding societies, into our workplace, amongst our friends, our families, our sporting groups, what other communities might be out there that we're a part of as well, as the, I guess, the hands and feet of Christ. And so a healthy church breathes people in and out, and in and out. It's this healthy rhythm. If it would only pull people in, or if it would only breathe people out, it wouldn't be sustainable, just like our bodies. And so that's how important hospitality and community is. It's, it's that big, deep, life-giving breath that fills up the lungs of the church. And hospitality and community are essential to both of those things. And so hospitality and community are really important as part of the body of Christ. And so I'm going to be talking generally about hospitality and community to start with tonight. I'll then talk a little bit about what it means to Central Church, some of the examples that we, we've seen, what we want to do as well, because uh, we do, I think we do this well. I don't think we do this perfectly, though. There's still pl- much room for us to grow in this area as well, but this is a big value that we hold up there and that it's, it's worth talking about on a night like this. And then to finish up, what we're going to do, similar to what we've done for the last couple of weeks, we're just going to break up into some small groups around different questions, discuss them in our small groups, and then share what we came up with with the greater church. So that's the plan for tonight. So kicking off with hospitality. Hospitality is something really close to my heart. I actually worked in the hospitality industry for about 20-odd years, which is a really long time. And I love to continue doing hospitality in my life. I love hosting people, having people over. I love cooking food. I love sharing a meal, having a drink, having a coffee, Uh, laughing, having great conversation, having deep conversation and getting to know people that I might not be so familiar with um, outside of those uh, interactions. 
and that's what hospitality, I think, really is. It's one thing to be able to do it, you know, invite your friends over, invite your family over. I, I don't think that's true hospitality. True hospitality is reaching further than your inner circles, reaching further than the people you would naturally gravitate towards and breaking bread with people who might be you know, on the other side. They might have different values or different views or from different places from you. But we still come together because we value being human. That's what we have in common. There's, there's something special about sharing a meal with someone else. It kind of strips away all of the other layers and we just are two people doing what people need to do to continue to live. Eating is a basic human necessity. And if we do that together, it kind of and sometimes strips away all those other layers and masks that we might otherwise have on. I remember when I was working in Sydney, and uh, this was for the Accor Hotel Group. And so uh, the Accor Ho Hotel head office was on Pitt Street. It was the top two levels of Angel Place, one of the tallest buildings in Sydney. And it's exactly what you'd expect a multinational global conglomerate <laughs> uh, business to look like. It was a lot of money in there, beautiful head office, overlooking the entirety of Sydney, un unobstructed. And I had to go into that office every now and then, uh, just do a little bit of work there, touch base with my boss, things like that. One day I was using the bathroom there, the beautiful marble-cladded bathroom with the warm, hand, the warm scented hand towels there on the, um, on the bench. And I, was at the, and I went up to the urinal to do my thing. And then another person came and stood at the, uh, the urinal next to me. And I saw out of the corner of my eye, it was Michael Eisenberg. Now, I know you probably don't know that name, but he was at the time the vice president of the entire Asia Pacific. And so he oversaw about four and a half thousand hotels, billions of dollars. He was like my boss's 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 boss, I think. There might be a few more bosses in there. He was a big one. <laughs> and I remember this so distinctly because this is the only time in my life I've ever had stage fright. And, and that's where you stand and, and you can't do anything. It's just, you just freeze up. And, and Michael did his thing and he washed his hands and he left. And as soon as the door closed, it was like, <sighs> and then it all just, it just flowed. <laughs> anyway, later on that day, I'm working at my desk and my boss comes up to me and says, hey, Oren, the department, uh, we're going out for lunch. And I don't know if you noticed, but Michael Eisenberg is in the office and he's going to be our special guest. He's going to come out to lunch with us. Have you met him yet? I was like, uh, kind, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and, um, and so we went out to this nice restaurant and it was like a, a long table and I was like, I don't want to sit next to this guy. It's, it's just going to be weird. So he went down one side table. I went the opposite direction to him, but as luck would have it, I ended up sitting directly across from him. And so, you know, you're forced into that conversation. But you know what? He ended up being a really nice guy. <laughs> I got to know him. We got to chatting. I just got to see him as another human. He had kids roughly about the same age as my kids. His youngest was the age of my oldest. And, you, you know, we're talking about, you know, sometimes as you change the baby's nappy and you're running out the door to work, you get a bit of, you know, baby poo on your, on your suit. And I'm sure his suits were better than mine. I don't think he shopped at Roger David. Uh, but still, same problems. He still got dressed in the morning, came up, you know, with the same, you know, stresses in life. And that whole, you know, separation, that gap between his status and my status, it just seemed to disappear. And there's something special just about sharing a meal with other people. It can be disarming, which I think is a beautiful thing. And throughout scripture, we see God talking about hospitality 
all the time. Even back early in the Old Testament, God is talking about it to the Israelites, his people. And even though they are a separate people, they are a holy people, set apart for God, he still encourages them to be open and welcome and hospitable. In Leviticus 19, it says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And that last bit, I am the Lord your God, this is like a command. This isn't just an optional, nice-to-do thing when you're feeling up to it. This is something the Israelites had to do. It was a command. And what this tells us is that at one point, we were all outsiders. Just like what Carol was talking about before, every single person in this room knows what it's like to feel like we are on the outside. And we know how uncomfortable it is. We know how unnerving it is. You feel exposed. You feel like everyone might be looking at you. And it feels awkward and it feels weird. But it can just take one friendly face, one person willing to step over that awkward boundary to make all the difference. And imagine then a whole community of people like that. That's one of the dreams we have for Central Church, that we are all this welcoming, all this accepting, all this warm, friendly, wanting to share a meal, have a drink, have a coffee with someone else, and invite people into our little community here as well. Jesus talks a lot about this too. In Luke 14, he says, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbours. If you do, they might invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And this just reminds us that hospitality really in its essence is giving. And if you host, if you're hospitable, there's a good chance you'll be out of pocket, perhaps financially if you're putting on the majority of the food and the, the drink, or if not that, at least when it comes to time and effort, you know, having to do that quick cleanup before everyone comes, or at least the cleanup after everyone goes, you will be out of pocket one way or another. But that's what true hospitality is, reaching out there, not just those in our inner circle. But, you know, and this is going to be one of the questions we discuss later on. It might not necessarily be um, like the blind and, and the lame. It might be, but there are other people in our society. There are other people, our next-door neighbours, that might be on the other side of what we're used to and inviting them in and inviting them into community as well. Hospitality done well is the catalyst to good community. And so talking about community now, community is vital to the human experience. God created us to be in communion with him and with each other as well. It's our natural state of being. But in this day and age, it's lacking, isn't it? And I think churches have a part to play moving forwards in this day and age where community is lacking. I work at Five Island Secondary College, a school just down the road at the bottom of Hill 60. And this is a school where teenagers come along that struggle just in the mainstream system. And the number one thing these teenagers struggle with, and I come up against it time and time again, is that this whole idea of social anxiety is that they've forgotten how to interact with other people or they never learnt to begin with and their world has become so insular. Everything they need can go to their, you know, they can do in their bedroom. They can 
uh, you know, they can order food to their house, they can, you know, do their study, their work in the bedroom, whatever it might be. And while that's comfortable and while that's easy, it can wreak havoc on our mental health. And their way of dealing with that isn't to go out there and push, you know, the comfort uh, barrier, it's, it's to further isolate themselves more and more and more. And I see this time and time again. And so we actually have an access unit at, at the school. And this is for like highly traumatised and PTSD uh, surviving students. And these students, it's not so much about teaching them something, but it's a three-year program. The first program is just getting them out of the house and into the school. And if they can get to school, that's a win. That's it. That's the box ticked. If they just sleep all day in a beanbag, great. At least they've gotten out of the house and at least they, you know, they're in a different environment and interacting with other people, again, as uncomfortable as it might be. But these are the basic fundamental skills that we are really trying to teach some of these kids. When we're disconnected from our tribe, when we don't have a village that we feel like we belong to, the ramifications on us as individuals, it can be huge. And we're looking at not just us as individuals, but societies or communities or nations or, or globally, people with this kind of anxiety. And it's, it's shaping the world that we're in today. So again, churches, communities, this is the lifeblood, not just of the church, but of, of human nature in general. It's so easy just to you know, stay at home. It, 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 it's easier because when we let people into our lives, every single person we let into our lives it just becomes a little bit more complicated, doesn't it? It's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more awkward. You can't just sit at home in your underwear and Cheetos all day because you feel people will judge you for that. And so it's, it's harder. <laughs> I know, how dare they? But it's how we're meant to be. We're meant to be in community with other people. And it's healthy for us. It's healthy, not just, I guess, physically, but it's good for our mental health. It's good for our emotional health. And, and as Christians, it's good for our spiritual health as well, we read about this in scripture as iron sharpens iron. We need this. It pulls us out of our comfort box. It challenges us. And it helps us see things from other perspectives as well. And this is one of the things I love about Central Church is that we have such a diversity of people from different denominations. We have people from, you know, they've been in the charismatic movement. We have people who have been Catholics. We have, I myself am from the Anglicans. And our diversity doesn't separate us. Our diversity strengthens us. We look at things from different perspectives. We are challenged when someone sees something from a different view than we do, that we've always perhaps seen it that way, but we can learn to grow and our worldview can broaden. I've, I've put this in one of the slides, this little quote, our diversity does not segregate but strengthens our community. We want our community to transcend our differences. This is what we want to see in central church. We want to see us grow and understand that we can look at scripture, we can look at faith, we can look at God from so many different perspectives. If we surround ourselves by just like-minded people, we don't really grow. We just kind of double down in the same old teachings. Like what Carol was saying before, the table of the Lord is big enough for us all to come to and no one should be left to beg for scraps underneath. Now, this doesn't mean that anything goes. We can't be everything to any, everyone. We're open, but we're still ourselves as well. And, and the example Caro gave last week was, yes, we are open. We hold lots of different types of theologies and ideals. But if someone comes in 
who doesn't value women in leadership, it's going to be hard for them to be here with Caro as our pastor because I'm pretty sure she's a woman. <laughs> but let me just give you one final thought before we go into some questions. Church leadership, you know, we can control a lot of things in the church. We can decide what songs we sing. We can decide what we talk about in church. We can decide about you know, our vision, our direction, all that kind of stuff. But what we cannot do is we cannot grow the community just from a leadership team. Yeah, we can give ideas, we can create opportunities, but community, by its own definition, is a group effort. It takes all of us to embrace and grow and nurture a warm and loving community. And that's what I really want us to see. We need to be active, not just passive, in doing this. And so meeting up with people, looking at people, uh, sorry, not just looking at people, getting to know other people, um, and we really do try to encourage this as much as we can, but it comes down to each and every one of us. One of the things that we've done here at Central Church is uh, we've, um, we've put on events called uh, Guess Who's Coming for Dinner. And th- th- this was a really interesting event, and we've done this several times over the years. And what would happen is maybe about half a dozen people in the church would open up their homes uh, and say they're willing to host a dinner or a lunch or whatever it might be. And then people would be randomly delegated to different homes, but the host wouldn't know who's coming to their place. And the people going to the host's place, they wouldn't know where they're going. They're just given the address of where they're going, told to bring a meal to share. And so people would turn up, knocking on the host door. They wouldn't know who they're seeing going both ways. And then we'll be bringing different people together that might not normally come together and just sharing a meal together and growing community that way. And here's the thing, when we would do this, we'd often put things like in our Bible studies, our small groups, our house churches on hold, or at least on pause while we're doing Guess Who's Coming for Dinner, because while it's great to go through Scripture and dig into it and and chew on the Word of God together, that is kingdom in theory. But hospitality is kingdom in practice. And everything Jesus talks about, about loving your neighbour, opening your house, coming to the table, all that kind of stuff, we find in good, healthy hospitality. And that's what we want to see. And so this is one of the big values of Central Church. I'll just leave you with one last uh, Bible verse from Hebrews. Paul says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And so I've got five questions I want us to go through. We'll see how we go. So some of these questions are a little little bit meaty. (laughs) Don't be intimidated, but I'll just show them. I've just got them on one slide each at the start, and then all five of them are all on one slide at the end, but in little text. And so if there's one you really like, maybe just take a picture with your phone so you can read it easier if you go into the group. And we might try to get one person to um, say, you know, I'll I'll do this question. Anyone who wants to do that question can go and sit near that person like we did last time. Sounds good? Cool. Okay, so the first question. This one might be a bit confronting. (laughs) Central has a lot of introverts. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Uh, Community and hospitality can be overwhelming, an overwhelming idea for some people. How can those of us who are more introverted, practice hospitality in healthy ways. 
because hospitality isn't just for the extroverts, just for the people that love to host and all that kind of stuff. It's also for the introverts as well. In fact, probably more so for the introverts. So as introverts, how do we do this? So if any, would anyone like to take that question? Any, any introverts willing to put their hand up? <laughs> Let's see all five first. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, question number two. And, and this one is about, and this one's kind of like a bit of a call to action. How can my hospitality and community be more intentional towards someone who is different than myself? How will I build bridges? And this is kind of like, like I said, that call to action. What are you going to do about it? It's not so much about, you know, a bit of a pie in the sky idea, but what actively can, can you do? What can you do differently? The third one is a question for our times. It's about COVID. COVID shrunk our world and made residing in our homes a comfortable norm. What are the benefits of hospitality and community we need to remind ourselves of? If you're anything like me, you, during COVID, you got used to just sitting at home, and whereas I would go out maybe multiple times in a week, it might be once every couple of weeks now or something like that, because it's just easier that way. It takes effort to organise to see people outside of the home. And so what things are we missing out on? What have we lost by valuing comfort over our community health? Question number four, what can we do as members of Central Church to further demonstrate hospitality and community? What new ideas and initiatives would you like to see? So this is the brainstorming group. What things, because again, the leadership team can think of certain things, but if we have you know, 50 people thinking about this stuff rather than you know, the four or five people in the leadership team, chances are we're going to think of better ideas and get a better picture of what people want to do in our community. And the last question, question five. At Central Church, we have a handful of people who are burned out by church or who, we, or who have experienced spiritual abuse or control within the church spaces. What would it look like for us to be, um, to be a more trauma-informed as a community? And what does it look like to offer community and hospitality to the, those who have suffered in churches before? And this is, we're just very aware, out the church, central church, we do attract people. I think just our style attracts people that have been in and out of the, the church machine and probably hold some wounds from it as well. That is part of our congregation. And we want to acknowledge that people with the, this kind of past, this kind of experience are amongst us. And we want to be sensitive and aware to people who have struggled with this and are struggling even just to get back into a church. So how, as a loving and safe community, can we hold people who, with these experiences and still have them feel like part of a community that they really, truly belong to? So, <laughs> so what we'll do, we'll meet for maybe, I don't know, five, five minutes, have a bit of a chat, and then maybe choose someone to be the spokesperson at the end just to share some of the ideas that were thrown around, and then... I guess we'll finish up. Yeah. Sound good? Cool. Okay. Thanks, guys. Let's go for it. Okay. Have we all got a bit of an idea of what we're saying? <laughs> so let's put the introverts out of their misery. <laughs> Who would like to talk? It's you? Yeah? <laughs> That's such a cop-out. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll accept it. Um, we had a great conversation, actually, just about lots of different things. I think some of the... I'll think about some of the points. We acknowledged that, you know, for introverts, doing hospitality and community actually requires a fair bit of energy. And so making sure that when, you know, we're practising those things, we're actually building in recovery time <laughs> afterwards so that you're not too overwhelmed. Um, we talked about um, the gift of even like doing things differently, like going for a walk with someone can often feel far less intense um, than sitting across the table from them. And so the idea of walking and or doing something active can actually really help. Um, we talked about being strategic if we are... Um, you know, being hospitable and it may be inviting people to mix together so that we don't have to carry the conversation, <laughs> you know, like have a group so that kind of like you can still kind of fade into the background and still be a part of it. Um, and having an extrovert partner seemed to be like a good balance for some of us. Um, but it was interesting, even some of the like, I think we, rec like, we just probably taps into the COVID thing, but we recognise that even as introverts, even though, like, maybe our secret secret dream is to be a lighthouse keeper or just sit in the corner with a book, that actually we recognise that while we desire those things, that they're not, that there's more that we need than that and we do actually need community. Is that anything else? So I don't know that that answered... Well, anyway, there's a lot of introverts at Central, so I think being kind to one another is a is a good thing. And I, I mean, this is not something we talk, but something I think about as the leader is recognizing that. I think sometimes we can feel like, oh, no one's invited me over, and oh, maybe we can feel like left out because of that. Or we could recognize that actually maybe this community is full of a lot of introverts and that it's a challenge for us to push through in order to include others. Does that make sense? Anyway, that's all I'll say. Thanks. Um, well, right here, so we might as well go to the church trauma group. <laughs> it sounds horrible to say it like that. Who's speak? Becca? Okay. Um, yeah, we, we talked about kind of how, what are, how could we make our church feel more safe and comfortable for people who are have experienced trauma in church or elsewhere. Um, and so just some, I just, I kind of just took notes on what people said. Um, someone mentioned really making it about relationships and not about church, like the church kind of being the important thing, but it's actually about the relationships um, and not have, not putting expectations on people um, and letting people come in and be themselves and whether they come every week or they come you know, once a month, but that they know they're welcome to show up and nobody's going to be like, haven't seen you in a while. Um, not pressure to, like, be on rosters, at least not quickly. <laughs> um, and giving, also having space for people to share their stories, like in one-on-one -on -one context, so whether that is in groups, at, you know, over dinner or something like that, but like actually hearing people's stories where they've come from. Um, 
Um, someone mentioned it's nice that our church has the pews on the side, so you can sit on the side and not be overwhelmed and, you know, even have a, like a quick exit if needed, but, and that, that's totally fine. Um, uh, we talked about, is it good that we regularly break into small groups for, and make, and have a conversation? And do people actually like it? Um, someone in our group, I won't name, said they actually hate it, but then afterwards feel good and like it. But like, I think most people in our group are like, we don't love it when we know like, okay, we're going to break into groups or turn to the person next to you. And so just, it is something I think for us to consider, like if somebody has major church trauma, you know, is it okay, is it okay to ask them to, you know, talk to strangers about deep and meaningful things? Um, and also the idea of knowing what's going to happen ahead of time, you know, so even like today knowing that at the end we're going to break into groups. So if you want to exit early, like you can do that actually. Um, and, um, something, um, Stephen mentioned was, which I, I actually agree. Um, we used to have dinner after church together and like everyone would bring a pasta dish, not everyone, or a bunch of people would bring pasta, and then kids would run around, we'd play, eat upstairs, some people remember that, and that, that's kind of nice for um, maybe, because it creates space for conversation and hospitality, but it's, if your house isn't great, if your work schedules don't work really for having people over for dinner because somebody works at night, or um, if you just don't have a big enough space, or you have four boys yourself and it's hard to go anywhere. Um, but that's a really nice thing. I, I, I really agree. So that could be something. And then that's, Stephen also mentioned this, how fun the trivia night was that we had. Like just as a social, like a big party. It was really fun, wasn't it? Um, and I don't know, I didn't help organize. So I don't know how hard that was. But just having like events like that that are social with church people and then people invited people outside of church as well, so. We did say that this church does those things well. And this does feel like a, a safe and trauma-informed church. Cool. Thanks, guys. Okay. Now we've got the, the COVID group isolated all the way over this side of the church. <laughs> and Brian, yeah? Well, hang on. I've lost my notes. I have. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. They're just gone. I'm flying blind. <laughs> this is dreadful. Oh, look, we, um, we, we recognised that COVID was a bit of a game changer for all of us. And um, for me personally, I, I thought when COVID hit, how am I going to cope? Because I'm a very extroverted person. And then the inner introvert came out. And reflecting on it, I'm thinking... Now, I was trained to be an extrovert. I was forced into it. And it was really, really hard, but I did it anyway. And I really enjoyed COVID and really enjoyed not having to talk to people. And I discovered uh, silence and contemplation and solitude and have benefited from all of those things. Yet I still see the value of community, which is why I thought I'll put my hand up for that one. So we talked about a whole heap of stuff that I no longer have notes for. Uh, um, 
trying to remember what it was. We, we all recognised that COVID did something to us and that some of that was good, some of that was maybe not so good. And coming out the other end of it, I think all of us are changed uh, and, and maybe, like me, uh, have, have reframed what it is to be community and, and how that works and why we need to do it. Uh, quick, give me some hints as to what you said. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the benefit of small groups, um, that that allows us to, to come together, not in a big group. I mean, for some people to stand up in front of a group, even this size, would be just so intimidating that it would be a killer. But to be able to, to meet together in, in smaller numbers, uh, even one-on-one, uh, would be great. And I, I spend a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with people these days, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, hmm? house, churches. Uh, house churches are good. Thank you. What else did we say? I don't remember. You want to? Difference like needing what we need and what we're capable. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I guess uh, this is my own thought. So, but yeah, I, I sort of shared about that sense coming out of COVID of sometimes feeling like I need had an internal need to be connecting and like that sense of feeling isolated then simultaneously not actually feeling like I had the emotional energy to go and do that, even to go to things that theoretically were things that I knew I would enjoy or with people that I knew that I enjoyed hanging out with. I still have at times just felt like, oh, no, I, I, I'm not able to do that. Whereas in the past, like that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have been like, oh, yeah, great, I'll go and do that. But, but even knowing that that would be really good for me, I would still struggle to do it. And so I guess... Sometimes it's a matter of maybe um, being people that invite each other into those spaces to overcome some of our own inertia of isolation. Um, and also, I guess, just having space for, you know, and grace for each other to <laughs> be slow to accept invites or slow to give invites sometimes or what, whatever it is. Anything else? Um, part of the, the negative of COVID, though, was also I think we, we experienced the loneliness in some of it as well. And so the value of community is, is that sense of regaining the connectedness and the belonging and, and the meaning from one another that's, um, that can be hard to get back into because we haven't, we've, we've lost some of the connections where we did that before. Introvert. <laughs> uh, we, we actually didn't talk much about how to demonstrate hospitality and community, but we did recognise that we can be hospitable and that hospitality in and of itself is a good thing, planned or otherwise. Uh, I think that came out in, in a couple of things we mentioned, not quite in those words. Uh, and the idea of community... Uh, we, we are a community, that people come and go, that people stay, that uh, there is an open door and uh, that, that we can come and be who we are. Um, yeah, I, I float around a lot of people and they ask, what church do you go to? And I, I say Central Church and they say, where's that? What church is that? What brand is that? 
And I, I say, well, it really has no brand. And they say, well, what sort of church is it? <laughs> uh, one of the things that, that I often reflect on after being here for five and a bit years is that um, when you walk into most churches, you walk through the door of faith. And having walked through the door of faith, they expect you to adopt whatever they have in there, whatever their, their doctrine is. And I found that um, coming from that background and walking through the door of this place, uh, we walked through the door of community. That we were welcomed not for what we believed, but for who we were and simply to be welcomed. There was not an agenda behind it. And I think that is the great strength of this place and of us as people. And uh, I, I would hate for us to, to lose that or let that slip away uh, by trying too hard to be community. I think it just needs to happen. But for it to just happen, we, we also have to have an awareness of what that is. And um, I know a lot of other people have benefited from walking through the doors of this place and finding that they can just come and be who they are without having to be shaped into a particular denominational or, or, or theological box. Um, so I, for me, and, and I'm sure for Karen as well, we, we are very grateful for that for us. But I see it being good for others as well. So we, we do community well. We did community well this morning. We do community well when we're, we're having wild church. We do community well in, in all sorts of things. Um, and I know that there's a whole heap of stuff that we do that is not part of church, but it's just stuff we do. And I'm sure that, that has an impact on all sorts of people. Cool. Thanks, everyone. It's, I mean, any one of these questions is pretty meaty, and we could probably spend a whole night on just one of them. And it's just great, especially at the start of the year, just that we start having these conversations, we think about it, we, it becomes part of our dialogue that we have here in the church. I think that, that's really important if this is the direction we want to go in, and I think it is. I think we do community really well, like Brian will say. I think it's also still a work in progress, and there's things we can do better, especially you know coming up after COVID and getting back into those habits again. But just having all of you here and the rest of Central Church in on this journey as well, I think we could really grow this into something that continually becomes more open and more accepting and more loving and, and more like what the kingdom of God is envisioned to be. And so let's just not you know, stop thinking about this stuff after tonight, but let's this become part of our regular talk, part of our regular interaction with each other and how we're going to keep doing this community well. Because we are just a little community, but I think a little community can have a massive impact, especially in a world that is you know, afraid of community, which is what we're finding more and more these days. So... Any other thoughts, questions, anything you want to share with the leadership team? You know, talk to Caro, talk to myself or Luke or whoever. Let's keep talking about this and keep growing this community together. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza. 
beloved member of Central. 